1: And welcome to Sports Info U.M. This is Daryl Oliver. I'm welcoming you into Sports Info U.M. Sam, what's going on?
2: Hey, man, it's just another blue day, like we say saying, at Arbor, uh, just a lot of great sports topics out there, man. A lot of great sports topics. Uh, excited. Tiger did his thing yesterday. You know, we're going to talk about that a little later, but uh, just excited, man.
1: A lot of NBA playoffs to talk about. Yep. Hey, a lot of stuff to talk about, Sam. Hey, let's get right into it, man. You know, yesterday, Tiger Woods, he was in our area in St. John's County, Florida, at the Sawgrass. Um, did his thing. A little controversy between him and Sergio Garcia. You know, him and Sergio Garcia started playing about the same time. So you would think that these guys would have a much better relationship than what, what they've displayed over the weekend.
2: Well, you know, uh, Tiger and Sergio, they came into the final day tied. Uh, they had a little... Uh tiff uh about an etiquette uh you know Sergio said Tiger uh didn't display pop, proper uh, golf etiquette on the course but uh I really feel that the two should have been paired together to me it would have created a little bit more excitement uh I, I really don't feel that either of the two care for uh, care for one another but uh you know yesterday was a it was a an opportunity for Sergio to go out and uh to prove the critics wrong, you know, they were taking the over and under. Would Sergio choke? And, uh, you know, he kind of did exactly what a lot of people expected him to do uh, when the pressure got uh, tough.
1: You know, um, he did choke. There's no other way to say it than, than to say it. Cut throat. He, he choked, you know, and, uh, and there was a lot of people really expecting him to choke. And there were some people thinking that, you know, maybe, maybe Sergio's grown out of this, man. Maybe he's become that professional that we've been waiting for him to be for the last 10 years. And he showed us that a little bit of pressure really got to him. I think the fans got to him a little bit. And I think some of his comments came back to haunt him a little bit.
2: I don't know if it was his comments, the fans, or just, uh, the, the 17th hole was tough for a lot of, uh, golfers. And, uh, you know, his, his ball is still swimming. You know, I, um, I don't know if they found the balls yet, but, uh, it, it really cost him. Uh, he was, he played a, a great round of golf. You know, he had a, a crucial mistake on the 17th, but, uh, you know, you, you, gotta tip your, your hat to Tiger, uh, This is his fourth win in seven tries. Uh, It puts him at number 78, which uh, leaves him four victories shy of uh, Sam Snead's all-time record of 82. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of people that doubted would Tiger come back. And, uh, man, he's playing some wonderful golf uh, to start the year off.
1: Man, he is really playing some serious golf. You know, um, uh, he's won four tournaments already this year out of the seven that he's been involved in. And, man, um, that's a lot. You know, it's some guys on the tour that have not won four tournaments in their career, and they've been in this game for, like, ten years. So for him to have won four tournaments already this year, that speaks volumes to the work that he's done, man.
2: He's really doing a good job of uh, of uh, putting. Uh, you know, that's an area that he he kind of struggled in. Uh, it, he's gotten some help in that area, and uh, everything else is uh, taking care of itself. Uh, he's not really using the driver as much. He's using his three wood, his five, uh, you know, his long irons. Uh, he, he's just really focused right now, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he does uh, in the next major tournament.
1: You know man um you know you know Tiger Woods really is one of those guys. You know you say you you think that maybe he's fighting an uphill battles, but I really don't think that's the case with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is is a man all within himself and he's almost almost in a, in a game all by himself. And when I'm and I'm not just necessarily talking about the game of golf, I'm talking about the game of life that that this guy has to play. Yeah, he has to has people. He has to have people around him all the time, because everybody's wanting to get a piece in, whether it's an autograph, a picture, want to know a little bit more about him, find some dirty work on him. Hey, he 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 lives a different life than the average athlete, man. He lives a life of, not even that of Michael Jordan. I think Michael Jordan has a whole lot more freedom in his life than than Tiger Woods does.
2: Uh, at at this time, I would say Michael uh, does, but uh, when Michael's at the peak of his career, uh, I'm sure it's crazy. But the one thing uh, to me that I, I really admire about Tiger is just how mentally tough Tiger is. Uh, you say he played, that he's playing a game uh, within a game of life or, or whatever, but he's just such a competitive athlete. Uh, I haven't really seen an athlete as mentally tough as tiger uh since michael jordan you know him and jordan uh, they became pretty good friends but uh it, it's just tiger he has just a rare ability to, to concentrate and, and to focus uh even amongst chaos when 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 everything isn't going uh, well you know uh he changed his swing uh, he worked on his game uh and he sacrificed Uh, you know, he was willing to fail in order to succeed. And, uh, you know, very few, very few athletes are willing to do that. And uh, it just speaks volumes about Tiger and the type of, and the type of athlete he is and uh, he's and how competitive he is.
1: You know, it was a, it was a big stink made by Sergio that Tiger was pulled his clubs out a little too early while he was in his swing. Now, when you look at it, I, I just can't see where that really affected him, or I really can't see where, where – how would Tiger Woods know when he's in his swing, when Tiger Woods is 50 yards behind him in the woods himself? He couldn't see Sergio, so I just can't see where Sergio could use that as an excuse. Now, there might have been some excuses, but it's hard enough to play with Tiger Woods when he has 10,000 people around him every hole when you used to playing with with uh lee westwood when he has maybe three thousand people around him it's a big difference man
2: uh yeah and i really think that uh those comments motivated tiger and uh you know it's hard chasing a tiger you know normally the tiger's doing the chasing and uh when you upset tiger uh man it's, it's just motivation. He had a to the fire. And uh, you, you just kind of got a feeling that Tiger was going to show up. And, uh, you know, he held on. There was a lot of guys that was in the run, and it was a very competitive tournament. Uh, by no means did he run away with this. But uh, when he needed to be at his best, he was at his best. And, uh, you know, that's what the great ones do.
1: That's exactly what the great ones do. Do you think this is going to affect Sergio for the rest of the year, man? Are we going to see – are we going to see Sergio come back and, and maybe even win a tournament this year? Are we going to see him actually falter and never even make the top 10 for another tournament this year? I think Sergio is going to be
2: fine. You know, uh, like I said, you got to tip You had to Ser- Sergio, uh, him and tiger had a disagreement. Uh, Sergio saw it one way. Tiger saw it another way, but at the, uh, at the end of the um, day, you know, Sergio, uh, one hole really cost him And, uh, I I really feel if he played the way he played uh, throughout this tournament, that Sergio is going to be fine. And uh, he's he's a a great golfer. Uh, Just one of the things that kind of bites him is uh, his mental, uh, not being as mentally tough as some of the other golfers. And, uh, you know, that's a very, very important uh, area. No matter what uh, sport you're in, you have to be very mentally tough.
1: It it is Sam, and you know, but when we look at it, man, Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson, Lee Westwood, it it, it um it's a few of these guys that we really thought they were always going to be in the hunt with Tiger every week, and now we we find people like Lingmurth who are in the hunt with Tiger Woods, even though Garcia was in the hunt with Tiger Woods up until the last two holes of the tournament, but now we don't see these guys in the hunt against Tiger Woods. And, and even though Tiger Woods has been pretty much off for the last three years, we don't see them in the hunt with him like we want to see him. We wanted to see, uh, golf fans wanted to see Sergio Garcia and Tiger Woods go head-to-head yesterday, whether they were paired together in the same group or whether they were paired together behind each other. We wanted to see them go against each other. And Sergio he he gave us that for a little while, but when the climax of the whole thing happened, he was nowhere to be found. Well, anyone who
2: uh, wanted to see them go head to head, they got their money's worth for, for uh, because for 17 holes it was a uh, back and forth, uh, back and forth, back and forth. You know, uh, they were within a shot of each other. Uh, again, Sergio faltered on the 17th hole, but uh, it, it was just a great. Great tournament, and uh, I I really feel that the network's love when Tiger's just being competitive because uh, people are tuned in. And uh, when when he's within striking distance, uh, you know, that's millions and millions and millions of more people that's uh, tuned in and and watching. So uh, it was a win-win for everyone.
1: Oh, without a doubt, it was definitely a win-win for everyone. It was a very exciting match, um, you know, and you're right. Television is much happier when tiger win Tiger woods win than they are when he withdraws or he 's not in a um, tournament at all
2: and uh you know my thing with Sergio is uh was it the seventeenth hole or was it the tiger effect you know uh again when you 're battling you know some some athletes they they live for that moment where two or three seconds they want the ball in their hands they want the they want to be the hero or the GOAT. Uh, in that moment, when Sergio teed up at the 17th hole, one of the toughest holes on the course, uh, what, what do you think was going through his mind? Was it was it Tiger? Was it were tied up? Because I, I think at that moment they were uh, neck and neck. They both were uh, 11 or 12 under. So what, what do you think you know, uh, was going through Sergio's mind?
1: Sam, I, I really think that it was more of the pressure of Tiger Woods than it was the pressure of the hole, because he had, he played that hole three rounds before, and he 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 made it on the green each time. But when he looked at it, and he looked at, wow! If I make this par, if I make this, if I make this birdie, I'm going to be tied with Tiger Woods for the lead. I think it was more the pressure of Tiger than it was the hole.
2: Hey, and, and and that's what you, you know, that that's the effect that Tiger Woods, uh, have on you. And, uh, just imagine the pressure, uh, that some of these players face when they're paired up with them or they're playing in front of them or behind them because everything he do, I mean, you hear the roar of the crowd, uh, you know, and maybe that's what distracted Garcia earlier, uh, when he complained about Tiger taking his, uh, clubs out of his bag a little early, uh. In the middle of his backswing, but uh, I, I really feel at the end of the day, uh, it was a great event. Both guys played well. Uh, I'm sure Garcia would like to do some things different on that 17th hole, but uh, like I said, I, I think he played a he he played he had a great round of golf.
1: You know, he did have a great round of golf, Sam. But when you think about it, coming into the 17th hole, he was tied for second place. At the end of the 18th hole, Garcia ended up in eighth place, tied for eighth place with about six other people. You know, but but I guess I guess my thing is, man, when we think about we, we think about some of these guys like like Rory McIlroy. You know, we we expect him to at least be competitive against Tiger Woods. I, I mentioned Lee, Lee Westwood earlier. We 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 expect him to be at least competitive against Tiger Woods, man. And Zach Johnson, another guy, Adam Scott, who won the, who won the, um, the Masters Tournament, he, he was 19th. You know, it's, it's, it's good to see some of these guys win every once in a while. But when they win, and then two weeks later they come back, and they're 19th, 18th, twelve, that's no competition for Tiger Woods. Because Tiger Woods, if he's not in the top five, he might as well have withdrawn from the, comp- from the tournament.
2: Well, um, I, I would say Rory is the one guy. If he's playing his best and Tiger's playing his best, that uh, you're, you're talking about an exciting moment. But uh, it, it's rare that you catch both of them playing their best. Uh, it's either one or the other. And uh, you know, McElroy he finished and he finished tied for eighth, but uh, he, he rallied late. Uh, And and I really feel he has some things that he has to work out before the next tournament. But uh, he he is the one guy, to me, that if he's playing his best and Tiger's playing his best, then uh, it's pretty much even.
1: You know, Phil Mickelson, tied for 78, man. Vijay Singh, tied with Phil Mickelson for 78. Jim Furyk, 78. Tied for 78. I mean, and then you look at Ricky Fowler, a young and upcoming guy who we thought was going to be a little bit of competition for Tiger Woods, tied for 78. It's, it's like, how can we compare these guys or expect them to be in the same same game as Tiger when they are one week they're in the top 10, next week they're in the, in the top 78? Come on, it's just...
2: I don't really think it's fair to compare any of these guys to Tiger with what he's accomplished in his career. Again, 78 victories speaks for itself. The man has four victories from time to all time uh, win, Mark. Uh, I I just really feel that it's media-driven, and uh, whenever you get a young up-and-coming golfer, the natural comparison is to compare in the Tiger Woods uh I, I really feel that the media should let some of these guys win some tournaments and uh kind of settle in before they're annoying them the next Tiger Woods but uh it's just like basketball you know every great basketball player they compare him to the Jordan uh so you know I guess it goes with the territory but at the same time uh I, I don't really think it's fair uh to, to be compared to Tiger you're talking about one of the Top five golfers of all time, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, I, I feel a lot of it's media driven, but uh, it's and I think the pressure's getting to a lot of these guys.
1: It is getting to a lot of these guys, Sam. But when we start thinking about Phil Mickelson, Vijay Singh, Lee Westwood, these guys are a little older or around Tiger's age. So it's not so it's not so much to be a young and up upcoming guy. These guys are a little older and around Tigers' age. So we expect them to be like, you know, we, we expect them to be a little more competitive. We expect them to don't get slapped in the face and run home run home and get in the bed. Get slapped in the face, turn around and do something about it, man.
2: Hey, man, golf's a very humble game. Uh, you know, even Tigers tame sometime. But hey guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. We'll be right back after the break.
3: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. P.M. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports, right here on the Voice American Network, and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who will drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
0: You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Sports Info U.M. Hey, Darrell, we have um, our main topic today is aggression in sports. And uh, referees, they remain calm while players, coaches, and fans hurl personal insults and abuse at them for their decisions. Where do we draw the line?
1: You know, Sam, you know, this is a really touchy subject, man, it, because I, I've been at games where referees are being said, some, some foul things have been said to referees by coaches, by fans. I've even seen situations where, Coaches run up in referees' face. I've seen situations where fans run up in referees' face. And I'm going to tell you something. It, it, It has to be a very, very uncomfortable situation when a parent runs up in your face during a game, after a game, or a coach or a fan runs up in your face during a game, after a game, yelling and cussing and spitting on you when you're getting paid $30 a game to referee a game. It's, just, it's unbelievable, man. It, it, it really is.
2: And uh, they are supposed to remain calm uh, in the midst of all of that. And, uh, you know, uh, this topic really came up when we, uh, the 17-year-old, faces 17-year-old from uh, Utah faces homicide charges uh, after hitting the ref in the head. Uh, the referee ended up dying after he was cited uh, with the yellow card. And, uh, like you said you're talking about officials that are are underpaid and in some cases they're volunteers but uh if you have been to a sporting event at any level all you have to do is uh go to the concession stand buy some popcorn and you can sit on either side and you can uh just sit back and it's like watching a movie and and watch the insults and uh, yeah. that that's being hurled at the referees uh you know the refs is a coach's appearance and a player's favorite scapegoat. Uh, You know, you hear everything. Yeah, you do. They're dumb. They're deaf. They're blind. They're dumb as a box of chocolates. You know, you name it, it's been said. And uh, I I personally, I ref Little League games just for the love of the game. And, uh, you know, it's tough. Uh, A lot of time you're dealing with people who don't know much about the game all they know is that li is that their little Joey or Johnny's out on the field and, mm-hmm. uh, and the ref, missed the Call, you know, you're not going to always get them all right. And, uh, but th- they got to take into account that you- you're talking about a-, a well-trained, uh, individual that that's went through the training, uh, that spent the hours necessary to, to become a referee. And, uh, They don't deserve the the abuse that they get. And, you know, you're going to have parents, you're going to have coaches, you're going to have players that they're going to get up in a ref's face. They're going to challenge him. And, uh, you know, uh, in some states and in some cities, they have uh, zero tolerance and uh, zero tolerance where there's no abuse, even verbally uh, allowed towards referees. And uh, I I really feel that it should be mandatory that, uh, you know, you need to keep your comments to yourself.
1: I agree. You know, uh, Mike Bibby not long ago was kicked out of his son's basketball game for for making some derogatory comments about the refereeing of the game. You know, if anyone should know better, seem like it would be him, especially in a game like that. You know, and I guess sometimes, though, people like pros, they take it to another level by themselves, man, because, you know, they've they they they've had professional refereeing in the, in their sports or maybe they've had a uh, they had referees that would talk to them a little bit more when you're in a high school event these high school referees getting paid 28 dollars for the game they got time to talk to you and explain to you why they called a foul or why they called a tech no they don't they don't have to do that so i think it's 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 different man and i think we really should have to have to pay attention to these things that we're saying to these people because it's offensive, it's rude, it's disrespectful, you know, it's it's we make homophobic comments to referees, it's just wrong.
2: Well, well I'll tell you what, we we wouldn't we couldn't afford to pay a uh, a referee if you factor in uh, all the abuse that they take. Uh, you know, these guys would be rich if they got paid for everything, all the insults they have to take. Uh and you know, they're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes, but at the same time you have to be patient, and a lot of the times in these little league events uh, or even high school, you know, the the administrator, someone has to step in and draw the line. You know, some it might be that you have to escort a fan out the stands, but there there comes a time in a place where we have to do a better job of protecting our officials. And uh, you know, I've seen cases where the refs had to be escorted out the stadium, and uh, just just sad. You know, people are really, really angry. And, uh, to me, there's no place in it. And, uh, at the end of the day, I think sometimes the parents, uh, they lose hindsight that we're, we're supposed to be setting a good example for the youth. And, uh, we're really, uh, a bigger part of the problem than anything because, uh, you know, to me, there's something about saying that there's nothing wrong with being able to boot with the men that you made a mistake. And, uh, you know, no one's perfect. Uh, the refs are going to make some bad calls, but coaches make bad coaches make bad decisions. Players make bad decisions. The refs are no different, man. We're all human at the end of the day. But uh, I, I feel that these guys have to be protected. Uh, they're undercompensated, and there's a lot, a lot of expectations put on them to, to be perfect.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, Sam. And, you know, have you ever seen that that um, maybe one of these world's funniest videos where it's like six guys chasing the referee to his car? It, this is reality, man. I mean, this is reality. These guys, some referees have to run to their car so they don't have to deal with the home crowd. It's unbelievable. <laughs>
2: And, and you know um, they shouldn't have to run to their car they should no, they, be, they should be escorted in the stadium and out of the stadium uh that, that's something else that uh that really needs to be looked at because what what happens when a bunch of fans, unruly fans, jump on a referee and the ref uh, has to protect himself uh, and someone end up getting hurt in in that situation. But, again, you know, uh, as adults, we're supposed to set the example for our youth and for our players. And uh, a lot of this stuff is learned behavior because when kids sit in the stands and they hear their parents' bad mouth and talk about the referee, uh, you know, they're going to learn this type of behavior and then they're going to think that it's all right as they get older to talk to the official uh, and to call them names and to berate him. But uh, you're talking about uh, someone's parent, uh, a father or a mother in some cases that has to take all of these insults and they're supposed to just sit there and take it uh, with a smile on their face. Uh, It's not right, uh, really. Uh, The athletic directors, the the association, whoever is the director of the association, they have to do a better job of, of putting policies in place. And uh, I have been to places that uh, really it, you couldn't really say anything bad about the officials or you were going to be ejected. And I really feel that most uh, the more of this has to be done uh, to to protect referees and and the integrity of the game. I mean, we've got to teach these kids – Uh, Good examples. And uh, if we're out there screaming and acting a fool, uh, that's not sending the right message to the kids.
1: I agree. And I actually think the lower the level of play is, the stricter the rules should be towards ignorance, towards referees. If you're if you had a if you had a a, a elementary school game or if you had a game where the the kids are 12 and under, you, you the tolerance for referees should be a lot less. I mean, you should have no tolerance for ignorance if you're a referee. You should be able to put them out of the game, out of the stadium. You, you make bad comments about a referee, about the refereeing of a game, put them out of the game, out of the stadium. These $21 you're paying me for this game is not worth it.
2: Okay, well, all right, Darrell, I have another I, I have a question for you. What happens, though? Because in some cases, you do get referees that are not good. How do you handle that situation?
1: When you're, when I look at it, Sam, if you if you how good do you have to be, the referee, a, a nine through twelve basketball game? How good do you have to be the referee a nine through twelve football game? And I guess we look at it like because we, me and you played really good football games when we were nine through twelve with no referees. So I'm saying, how how, how much refereeing needs to be done, especially when, when a referee has to be has to get ridiculed, uh, homophobic fl- slurs, cursed out, you know, come on. But
2: And when I say really bad, now we both have been to places also where when you go away and you're talking about home cooking, where the referees is for the home team. I mean, you call a spade a spade. Now, as the opposing coach and opposing players – how do you handle situations like that? Because it happens.
1: It does happen. Now, I, when we start talking about we, these little leagues, and most little leagues, little leagues don't travel out of town. You know, you're 9 through 12, you mostly play in your city. So there's no such thing as a, a home and away. Now, I see your point, Sam. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something, man. This referee thing has to be really, really serious business because down south in certain parts of Florida – We've had a serious gambling problem on little league football, basketball game, on little league sports.
2: And that's so, what I mean by so that now, home. That's what I mean about the home. Cooking. Yeah, if,
1: if 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 we got people gambling thousands of dollars on a football game, don't you know they they could easily sip, slip the referee five hundred dollars. Now that's a whole another story of referee in there, you know. So I, I I that's 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 another story that we may have to talk about someday. If we're, if we're going to have thousands of dollars bet on the game, outside, not with the players inside the game, bet on the game, it's no it's it, it's no way we could think that a referee's not going to get slipped two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars.
2: And and I'm not condoning parents or coaches' uh, behavior towards referees, but I, I really really feel that uh, as a parent and as a a former player at, at all levels that it's just, uh, it, it just turns my stomach when I see young kids arguing and talking back to referees. Uh, hey. I'm, I mean, to me, that there's just no place, uh, as a parent, as a coach, uh, he should get the hook. But if you're a coach and you do it, Again, we're talking about setting up the right example for our youth. Uh, I, I know me personally if uh, if my son was mouthing off or talking back to an official, the coach don't have to do anything because I'm gonna come out the stands and I'm gonna get him my, uh, myself. So, uh, but every parent is different. When the kid constantly hears parents talking about the ref or making excuses, oh, if it wasn't for the refs, you know, then that kid thinks that it's okay for him. To, uh, to talk about the ref or not um, show the proper respect. And uh, we, we have to get away from that.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I agree totally. You know, um, I, and I'm sure it's a lot of parents go home and on their way home from the game, they talk about how bad the referees were, how poor a job the referees did. These are the kind of things we really have to get away from, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's not fair to the kids. It's not fair to the referees. But Sam, <laughs> If, if, if we're going to talk about these referees, I think we really have to talk about the training that the referees are getting. Because I've been at games, Sam. I've been at Little League baseball games when my son was playing. And somebody said, oh, the referee, the umpire's not here. Could you umpire for us? And what can you tell them? You can't say No. You know, and, but and and I guess I look at it well. Some people probably not going to say some things to me that they would to a, a referee that they know that they were paying.
2: But but uh, and a lot of times in the little league sports, I know right here in the area that we're in, the the a lot of the little league sports uh, they don't pay the referees. It's volunteer. You know, you getting parents that are out there, out the kindness of their heart that's volunteering. But uh, the spectators, uh, they don't understand that. You know, they want blood. When, when, when a call doesn't go doesn't go their way, so uh, I think a lot of times they lose sight of that. Um, that you you have parents that uh, haven't been trained on how to official a game. They they're just out there uh, because they care. They're trying to help their son or their daughter is participating, and and they're trying to to do us right. But the average fan or spectator, they don't understand that.
1: No, they don't, Sam. You know, a guy was telling me a while back. He said he said his 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 grandmother was the worst. He said his grandmother would sit right behind the catcher and the referee, and she would give the, ref, the umpire a hard time the whole game, yelling, screaming, yelling, screaming. And said the referee looked at it. Said the referee turned around and looked at her one time. He said, finally, he just got tired of it. He turned around and looked at her. lady looked at her and said, at least your ears work. <laughs> <laughs> So hey Sam, they don't they not only get it from parents, they get it from grandparents, male and female.
2: Hey, there's no discrimination when it comes to referees. Uh again, they're everyone's scapegoat. Uh they're the reason that uh coaches are fired, I guess in their eyes, that, that players don't get division one scholarships. But uh, you know, they're needed and they're not going anywhere. So uh we have to learn to coexist with them. Uh they do the best job that they possibly can do. And uh speaking of referees, you know, the Chicago Bulls coach was fined thirty five thousand dollars for um bad mouthing officials. And you know, uh the higher the level you get you get some coaches they do it for uh for mental uh Mental edge, you know, they feel that they say something in the media about the referees, and you know, that's going to put the refs on notice that uh, and and everyone else on notice. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like chess.
1: You're right, you know, you 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 curse the referee out for this play so you could get the next call, And, and we see we you know, we see these games being played all the time in football. You know, someone we'll we'll yell at a referee about a holding call, so he'll call that. So he'll make that same call on the other team when they has when they have the ball.
2: And I have seen uh, a lot of times in cases where that gamesmanship worked. You know, uh, yes, you, you see a, a coach; they're just working the ref. They stand in his ear. Oh, you missed that call! You missed that call! And then the referee gets a little gun shy, and. uh you know, they're in a tough situation, but uh, a lot of these calls are judgment calls. And, uh, again, um, uh, not to beat a horse, not to beat a dead horse too many times, but I, I feel on every level, we all have to do a better job as parents, players, coaches, and, uh, even some officials, but, uh, at the end of the day, they're doing the best job that they possibly can do. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info. you on the Voice of America Network. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA, a little NFL news, and uh, some some of the college football Hall of Fame class. We'll be right back after the break.
3: Chip station for sports. Voice America Sports 3pm Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. the Voice America Sports Network. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn
2: more, please visit NFLalumni.org.
3: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
0: You're tuned in to Sports Info U.M. with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's Triple 346 9144 or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: And welcome back to Sports Info UM, Sam, let's get into this NBA playoffs, man. You know, this is my favorite time of year. I stay up late almost every night looking at these playoff games, man. And it's just so exciting. I really think NBA players are the most athletic athletes in the world.
2: Hey, uh, I I would uh, agree with you on that. But, uh, you know, hey, let's talk about the Knicks and Pacers series first. And the reason I want to talk about that series first, Tyson Chandler, you know, he kind of called out his teammates today saying that they were playing selfish. And uh, to me, when you make a comment like that, uh, if you watch the New York Knicks play basketball, you're talking about two individuals. You're talking about uh, R.J. Smith, the uh, sixth man of the year, and you're talking about Carmelo Anthony. Now, do you think this is going to cause any friction? Amongst the uh, the team, or or is this something that he should have said behind closed doors? Tyson Chandler, being a veteran, he uh, is a member of the NBA championship team when he played for the Dallas Mavericks. Is he using this to motivate his teammates and get them to uh, share the ball more?
1: I think if you watch the New York Knicks, you'd look at him and say, "Man, he he's uh, he's telling the truth," you know, and maybe he maybe he did say it behind closed doors. Maybe he should have said it behind closed doors, but the fact of the matter is he said it, and it's true. And when you look at Carmelo Anthony, it's almost like people will slow down. They're on a fast break. They'll slow down and find him and throw him the ball so he can try a 20-foot jump shot or or a three-pointer. It it makes no sense to me. And and J.R. Smith, man, I mean, he was playing at such a high level. He got the NBA Sixth Man of the Year trophy, and it must have weighed weighed him down because now he's playing at a low level. I mean, a low, low level. So, you know, um, Tyson Town is telling the truth, man. And I think he's one of those centers that's saying, get me the ball, get me the ball. That's not what he's saying. Let's spread the ball around, find the best player that has the open shot, and that's who we need to use. It, 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 It doesn't make sense to me, man.
2: That's really how I um, took those comments also. But uh, when I I watch the Pacers and I watch the Knicks, I see a young athletic team in the Pacers. And uh, to me, I just really feel that they're going to be a little bit too much for the Knicks. I really like the Pacers to to win this series, uh, game fours tomorrow night. Uh, And and we should see if uh, Tyson Chandler's uh, comments uh, lit a fire under his Knicks uh Memphis leads OKC 2 to 1 Oklahoma City uh without Westbrook you know Westbrook takes a lot of criticism for taking a bunch of shots uh sometimes taking more shots than uh, Kevin Durant uh I really feel that, uh, Oklahoma City, man, they miss, uh, they miss Westbrook and uh, they're, they're just not the same team. And I really like this Memphis team with, uh, Zebo, Zach Randolph, and Gasol. Conley's doing a great job of dictating the tempo. Uh, Kevin Durant is having a, an outstanding series. He did miss a couple of free throws, uh, down the stretch, uh, in the last game. But, uh, I, I really feel that, uh, Memphis is going to be a little too much for OKC. Now, if Westbrook was there, I would definitely be going with Oklahoma City, but uh, without without Westbrook, I like Memphis to win this series.
1: You know, man, um, Zach Randolph has been a heck of a player for a long time. Paul Gasol, um, Gasol for the Memphis Grizzlies has come into his own in the last three years. He's also the in the NBA Defensive Player of the Year this year. And with those two, and when you have a center like a a, a guard like Conley, you got three premier players in the NBA. And and when you got three premier players in the NBA, you got a chance. You know, a lot of people think when you got you got to have two players, you got to have a a a LeBron James and and um and his and his cohort. But when you look at the Grizzlies, they have three players, man, that are that are premier players and you got Tayshaun Prince you throw him in the mix you got Allen who's one of the best defenders in the league you got a really 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 solid team man so it it, it doesn't surprise me that that Memphis is 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 in the mix and it's not going to surprise me one bit if they win this whole thing I mean the entire NBA championship this year
2: that wouldn't surprise me either. I tell you what, the two big men, Zebo and uh they are gonna cause problems for a lot of teams. Uh hey, the jury's still out. Golden State ties the Series 2-2 after overtime victory against the Spurs. I tell you what, uh, Golden State, man, they're they're, they're a young team. Uh don't have a lot of experience, but sometimes that's the that's the worst combination for a veteran team like the Spurs that are a little old. Uh you got Curry, you got Thompson. Uh yesterday Jack came up big uh won an uh, overtime game man just just a a, a, a gritty victory for a uh, golden state uh that series is tied 2 two and they uh it really should be three to one because uh golden state really outplayed the spurs in the first game they kind of just blew a big time lead but uh this is a series just kind of exposing the spurs uh I, I like Golden State. I'm going to stick to it. I picked Golden State last week. I really like them to win this series. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough, though.
1: You know, man, I I I picked San Antonio to win this series. And I look at Golden State with with, with Thompson and Curry, as as such a young team that they have. I still got to hold my guns, and I'm going to take I'm going to take um San Antonio to take this series. You know Tim Duncan is playing at a at a really good level, even though he's 37 years old. Hey,
2: Mr. Fun- Mr. Fundamentals, man, he he's just been a a great guy to watch for many many years, and uh, he is playing at a very high level. The Miami Heat lead the Bulls two to one. Our expectations complicating Derrick Rose's return. They play Game Four tonight. Uh, I, I truly feel that there's no need for Derrick Rose to return. That's just my opinion. Uh, I think with or without Rose, the uh, the Heat are going to win this series uh, and move on to face the Pacers.
1: I think you're right. And uh, when you look at that game right now, the score is 61 42 in favor of the Miami Heat. I think it's just a matter of time before the Bulls, who's who's really a de- depleted team, you know, they have no bench. They have they have really no help for. The starters on the floor, no Derrick Rose, um, no Luau Deng. They're really struggling, man.
2: Yes, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be tough again. The Heat, uh, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat the Heat, let alone the Bulls without Derrick Rose, Lou Deng, or Kurt Heinrich. So uh, it's going to be tough. Hey, but moving along, Amy Trash, the lone female CEO quits the Oakland Raiders. What are your thoughts on it?
1: Uh you know I, I I really don't have too many thoughts on this um you know I, I really don't know the reason why she quit um the Oakland Raiders and I hope it's not because of um of uh of of um sexual discrimination. I hope and pray that that is not the case here.
2: No, I don't think that's the case. Uh, Amy's been with the uh the the Raiders organization for over a 25 years uh i've had an opportunity to meet miss trash when i was in oakland she's been there for a very long time uh i i just really think that it's the changing of the guard uh mark davis is running the franchise uh so you never know what type of infight was going on i don't want to speculate but uh you're talking about uh a female that, that held one of the highest positions in the National Football League—that's just a testament to um, Amy. Just want to congratulate her on the job well done. Again, we don't know why she quit, but uh, for a female to be a, the CEO in the NFL—that just speaks volumes. Uh, also, real quick, I want to shout out the Black and Gold Black and Gold Club of Flagler County. Uh, just uh, just a great group. Stiller fans, uh, they've really been helping me out a lot uh, with the with camp that I have coming up. Play 60 camp. Just want to thank them, and uh, I'll be in touch, guys. And Titus Young, arrested three times in one week, Down Three times in one week. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think Detroit was right when they got rid of his behind for getting arrested three times. Now, does that
2: make you crazy when you're arrested three times in one
1: week? You know, man, I guess, you know, I guess we, we have to look at the charges, too, from time to time. You know, if they're all car-moving offenses, driving without a license, driving without a license suspended, stuff like that.
2: Well, the third one, when he broke into someone's house and he was uh, resisting arrest.
1: You go to jail for that. He, I, I think you're a little ill when you do stuff like that, too.
2: But, you know, after all of that, being arrested three times, I still don't think that makes him crazy. Uh... You know, uh, Ryan Montgomery tweeted that uh, being arrested three times in a, in one week don't make you crazy. Saying that you're better than Megatron makes you crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, man. You know, when, uh, you know once, you, once you go to the clicker one time, I don't think you want to go. If you go to the clicker one time on Monday and then you go two more times before Saturday, you're crazy.
2: Hey, you didn't hear what I said. He said that he's better than Megatron.
1: Uh, He's definitely crazy for saying that. He's crazy,
2: that's what I'm saying. Going to jail three times don't make him crazy, but when he made that statement, that put him in the crazy boat. The world's most influential athlete is unemployed. Teams are afraid of the media circus that comes with Tebow. Uh, Is Tebow a victim of his own success?
1: Man, teams are not only afraid of the media circus. Teams are afraid of what they're going to get with Tim Tebow, an athlete that's not good enough to play. That's the bottom line, man.
2: Now my thing is, besides the poor mechanics, the footwork, his throwing motion, and lack of accuracy,
1: those are some what of the things. Those are some of
2: the things that doomed Tebow. <laughs> but could Florida have done a better job to help Tim Tebow, the football player?
1: No, not Florida. No, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer knew what he had in Tim Tebow. He basically had an extra running back in the backfield. He never made an effort to make Tim Tebow's mechanics better. And he had to see the same thing that all of us are looking at right now. He had to see that when he was a sophomore, when he was a freshman, when he was a junior in college. He had to see the poor mechanics. He had to see that kid dropping the ball down two feet, bringing it up two feet, then taking it back, and then releasing. He had to see that, man. So it's Urban Meyer's fault that this kid didn't get better training.
2: But now you can say that it's Urban Meyer's fault. Tim Tebow had a lot of success at Florida, won two national championships. He was a first-round draft pick. I guess you could say what more could have been done if the man was a first-round draft pick. A head coach said this week from the NFC that that he would like to have Tim Tebow on his team and would be opposed to signing Tim Tebow. But again, they just don't want to deal with the circus that comes with Tim Tebow. And again, that's why I say Tim Tebow is a victim of his own success. The commissioner came out and said that a gay player in the NFL will be accepted, not just tolerated. What are your thoughts on that, Daryl?
1: Hey, <laughs> Sam. What else could the commissioner say? Oh, we're not letting no homo. We're not letting no homos in our league. Oh hey. no, a homosexual could never play in the NFL. He has to say these things. He man. is the
2: most powerful man in the NFL, and uh, man, he can do and say what he want to do.
1: Exactly. Now, 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 once he finds out that that a player is gay and wants to play, or or once he finds out that someone that they drafted in the in the seventh round is gay, is he going to say, hey, is he going to call that franchise and say, hey, get rid of this kid right now because we don't need this circus following us?
2: Justin Blackman says he do not have a, an alcohol problem. He said he has a problem with making bad decisions. What are your thoughts?
1: Someone said he was at the TPC drinking a beer. I hope that was not the case. He definitely don't need to be in public drinking. If he does have a drinking problem, Keep it in your house, man.
2: If you want to ask me if I have a problem, I have a problem with making a poor decision. That's what Mr. Blackman said. Today, University of Michigan coach Brady Holt called Notre Dame chicken for backing out of one of the greatest rivalries in college football. What are your thoughts?
1: You know, Notre Dame, man, I would have to give them credit. Over a lot of these other schools because Notre Dame really always play a formidable schedule. They don't really have a lot of, a lot of that garbage on their schedule like oh, Savannah. They play, they
2: play all of the academies, man. Come on. Hey,
1: man. Army Army, 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 Navy, Air Force is not Savannah, and uh, and FIU and Florida Atlantic. They're, they're not those schools, man. You know, come on. These are storied franchises. These 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 programs have been around forever. Yeah, so, in the in the sixties. Hey, still they're stored they're stored programs, man. They've been around. You know, FIU, FAU, Savannah State, South Carolina State. How about
2: Ron Dane goes into the College Football Hall of Fame over Eric Dickerson?
1: Pooh. Well, Eric Dickerson must have really pissed somebody off, man.
2: I really no, it's just the way that the whole that the committee uh does their selection, uh, they only take one uh, one Position uh, One One guy from each position. Uh, you know, Eric Dixon, a Hall of Fame uh, football player. Hey, guys, time flies when you're having fun. You're listening to Sports Info U.M. on the Voice America Network. We'll be back next week, we promise.
0: Peace. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more Sports Info U.M., We'll see you then.